I can't reveal diddly squat to you guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just can't. But the Holy Spirit, the movement of him through verses and through songs and through testimonies and, and all that kind of stuff, man, I, I'm going to tell you right now, he can reveal this also to you. And then he just finishes that little section right there that we're going to stop. And he says, in any case, wherever you're at, whatever you, you've accomplished, whatever truth you have attained, this is how you should be living. So then it makes me think, like, I, I maybe I should ask, like, are you even living up to the truth that you understand yet? And maybe God hadn't given you any more truth because you're still not living up to the other truth. Right? All he's saying is what? I want you to live up to what you understand. What you got. You ought to be dedicated to that. And then there will be more. Now, it doesn't change that you hadn't, what you hadn't got in truth. It's just saying, like, I want you to live to what you got. And be dedicated to that. Take it small. We've talked a lot of times in Bible studies and even on Wednesday nights with people's testimonies and stuff, which we're doing, by the way. So if you feel led to do that or if you just want to want to come and listen and get something from it, start coming on Wednesdays. But, but you know, in doing that, we've talked about like, like, man, there's some baby steps along the way before you got fully dedicated into this thing. And that, that's all right. Some of us, we said last week, Paul was that immediate Damascus Road thing. Some of us aren't that. And that's all right. So before I go on, let me pray. Let's pray. Father God, it's simple. Your word says that you can reveal what I cannot. And I just pray right now, Lord God, before we even start analyzing, digging in, Lord God, to the verses that we just read, Lord, Lord, I pray that you dig into the hearts. God, you go ahead and do some plowing. Do some seed planting, bring in the sunlight, bring out the water, Lord God. God, help us get a better understanding of the things we didn't understand. Help us, Lord God, to understand better the things that we thought we had gotten. And Lord God, I just pray as we go through this, Lord God, that you get glory from this and our lives and acceptance of your word and your truth. Your great and holy name we pray. Amen. All right. First thing I want to tell you guys is this. From reading a lot of what Paul writes, and I've been reading a lot of Paul's letters, not just where we're at, because some of these topics interchange. Here's one thing I've decided. Paul is a sports fan. There's no doubt. I mean, seriously, think about it. There is no doubt that Paul is a sports fan. you got the Olympic Games back then. Uh, you got the Ishmian games, which would have been big around Corinth, where he spent a lot of time. I don't know if Paul went home after a long day and sat down and watched Monday night chariot races, you know, or, or what. But I know he was a sports fan by a lot of his writings. You know, I, now he's not in our day, but I think he would have cheered for the Cowboys last night, which did an awesome job to close out the regular season. Um, you could have amen that. That would have been fine. I think he would have watched the national championship game tomorrow. Good luck to you guys. Um, we, we will watch from the stands because we will never be there. Oh, <laughs> in his day and age, though, he's a sports fan. Just look at some of the other stuff he's written. Not that we're going to go into him, but just to, to kind of prove the point. In First Corinthians chapter nine, he says, I fight. Now, the word fight there that we usually have in our translations is a little mixed up. He actually says, I box. I box not as one who beats the air. In other words, he's saying, I'm not just shadow boxing. I'm literally getting in this thing. Like, I'm not just going to be a trainer and then never enter the ring. Like, I fight. I, I box. I get in this thing. This, this is the real thing. At the end of his life, 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says, I fought the good fight. Again, another sports writer. like he understands it. Ephesians chapter 6, when he talks about uh, the, 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 the principalities of evil, he says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and, and power. Like, he's into this wrestling thing, right? But his favorite analogy, as much as he loves the wrestling and the boxing, and all this stuff, his favorite analogy for the Christian life has got to be a race. 
Now, I don't know if Paul was a runner. I don't know if he was a, he was a cardio kind of guy. But he eats this race thing up. Fifth chapter of Galatians. He tells them, you are running a good race. And then he asks the question, who cut in on you? Basically, he's saying this, like, you guys were running so well. Who hindered you? Who tried to, to block you? You know, a lot of us probably don't do the physical running, so we can relate to NASCAR. Because that's more fun to sit on the couch and watch cars make a, a circle over and over. Who who cut you off? Who cut off your lane, your passing lane? You know, that's what you get. First Corinthians chapter 9. He says, do you not know that in a race all runners run to get a prize? Run in such a way that you want to get the prize. Later on in that same chapter, he says, all athletes practice self-control. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. What Paul's getting at with a lot of these metaphors is this, and we don't like to say this too often. You're going to be rewarded one day on how you ran the race. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he's not sugarcoating it there. He's saying there's going to be a time, and he says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says that we will stand before our Lord, and we will be judged off of how we ran the race. So just because you got in the race, now that doesn't change where you're going. It doesn't change if you're allowed in the kingdom or not allowed in the kingdom or anything like that. That's not the argument. The fact of the matter is this. You're going to stand before him one day and he's going to look at you and be like, you did this awesome. You did this awesome. Or he's going to look at you and say, man, you sucked here. I'm telling you, he may use that word. Y'all say, pastor, I don't think he's going to. He may. You don't know that he won't. Right? There may be some Greek and Hebrew that we don't know that translates and, and shifts around and gets to that word. You know, but, but but the point is this. Paul wants to make it clear, like, guys, just knowing there's a race isn't enough. you got to run this thing right. And if you look at your life as a race course, we're running toward Christ-likeness. This morning, in hopes of people who would just get up and read, and if they, they read a little, I don't post a lot, man, but but if I post, I, I can tell you this, I'm, I'm going to confess because you're here, so it worked for some of you. Some of you online, it didn't work, so you can feel guilty and go to the altar at your house. And get straight with the Lord. If I post something, that means I, I feel like the Lord wants me to get you here on a Sunday morning. Right? So I'm okay. Like, like the lady last night at the restaurant. We went to a restaurant I'm never going to tell you about. I'm serious. Because the last time I told y'all little heathens about Pedro's, y'all filled up Pedro's every time I go there. I can't go to Pedro's and get my table no more because all y'all there. And that was just one Sunday that I happened to brag about this new place I found right there in Knightsville. And y'all just took it from me. So I'm not going to tell you about this other place, but I'm going to tell you it was awesome. I'm going to tell you the lady who owns it slash serves and greets, and I think she just did it all as an owner, which I like to see, right? Like, like she had it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like she, she, she was there and she presented it well. And, and, and she, 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 oh man, just, just a, it was just good. It was just good. Anybody who went with me last night and confesses where we went, I will disown you. You know what I'm saying? Like, Paul is saying this though. He's saying if we're aiming toward Christ's likeness, if we're trying to do our best, then there's some things, there's some ingredients, there's some some essentials we got to get in this thing. So I, I want you to kind of look at today the, the boys, they just now released, they're going to do a like a little track thing. So I thought it was too funny that this came up the same week that they finally announced that they're going to do a, a track and field group for, for kids under high school. So, you know, so we're kind of excited about that or they're excited about that. I'm excited to watch because um, this body don't run. Um it just picks things up and puts things down. So, but, but in watching some of the, some of the races and, and distance stuff, they got these aid stations along the way. If you ever watch a long race, 
And at that aid station, you stop and you get a ward or you stop and they even got power bars for, you know, those guys that didn't eat right. They got medical attention for somebody who might have tripped or, or, you know, messed up something during this, during this way. So I don't want you to look at this morning and think, man, I've fallen. I've struggled. I've messed up. I, I can't do a marathon or a sprint. You know, and, and, and sometimes as, as Cliff said, he was talking about this house. He goes, man, it's not going to be a sprint. It's going to be a marathon. I was saying it's going to be an ultra marathon. Uh, but the Lord just lined things up where it's going to become just this, this sprint. To get done. But here's here's my here's Paul's point. Paul's point is if you've fallen, if you've messed up, if you're struggling, if you're running this race and you're not happy, you're not eliminated. He writes this stuff because he wants to rejuvenate the church and allow them to realize what they, they can get through. So it reminds me of this lady just in looking up running stuff, trying to one motivate the boys and of course apply it to where we're at. But in ninety two there was a lady named Beth Ann. Now she was trying to apply for the Olympics and, and to do a marathon. Anybody know how long a marathon is? 27 miles. Yeah, what would possess somebody to want to run on their feet 27 miles? Huh? Yeah, when you got a car or at least a bicycle. Man, I'd go get one of the horses before I ran 27 miles. You know what I'm saying? Might have a sore butt cheek at the end after, but I tell you right now, like, man, I'm going to get there. Anyway, anyway, so, so she's got my attention because she wants to do this. Who wants to run 27 miles? Anyway, to be a female qualified for the Olympics for a marathon, you got to do it in two hours and 45 minutes or less. It's qualifying time. So that tells me this. This is another thing. She's going to run 27 miles in the Olympics. She had to be crazy enough to run 27 miles before the Olympics to get in to get to run 27 miles in the Olympics. Right? Anyway, she runs this race. She's applying for it. She gets to mile 23 before she has any trouble. I read that yesterday and I busted out laughing. Not because she had miles of trouble at 23, because I'd have had trouble at mile three uh, or before. So, so yeah, mile one, amen, right? <laughs> so she's 23 miles into this thing. She's, she's, she's four miles out from the finish line. She starts to experience a little bit of trouble when she gets into this straightaway. She's 200 yards from the finish line and she collapses. 200 yards after 20 what would that be, 25 or 20, uh, 26 miles and some change, right? She gets dazed. She gets dizzy. She's there for 20 seconds. Now remember, it's a time thing, right? 20 seconds. She's two minutes out from, from making this qualifying time. She gets back up, continues to run. Five yards before the finish line, 10 seconds left to go, she falls again. All that work, all that effort, right before the finish line, she's out. She looks up. She starts to crawl on her hands and knees, crosses the finish line at two hours, 44 minutes and 57 seconds. Three seconds to spare on her hands and knees. I use this because this is the thing. Some of us feel strong in this race of running toward Christ's likeness. Some of us feel like this lady right here. We done fell down, had the snot beat out of us. We're seconds away from not making it. We've stumbled, right? But I want to you, you can get back up. You can crawl on your hands and knees and keep on going. And if nothing else, you're full of a bunch of people that want to cheer you on and not see you fail. I hope you understand that. Like that's one of the, I get, I get confused sometimes and I understand it's because we as a world have corrupted things. But it's so sad to me sometimes when I hear people who have struggled and failed and, and maybe stumbled and they're crawling and they're trying to get back up and their hands and knees and they're laying there and they can't breathe. 
and, and I try to promote finding a man, find you a church, find you a church family. Like I couldn't imagine getting through it with without that. And, and they tell me I, I I don't like the way those people look at me. I don't like the way those people talk about me. I don't like the thoughts and the attitudes I know that are running through that. And I just want to make sure you know one. If you got that thought here, get out. Not if you got the thought about being worried about feeling that way, but if you got the thought about somebody else, get out. You know what I'm saying? Like that, and you think, Pastor, yeah, you ain't hurt my feelings, none. You know what I'm saying? Like we just passed the budget, we good, right? Like we ain't never had no problems. <laughs> we gonna spend a lot of money this year, whether you here or not. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it's gonna be good stuff. But I'm being serious. Like you're not part of what the body of Christ is supposed to be. Because the body of Christ, as Paul writes in some of his other letters, he said it's supposed to be a cloud of witnesses, some cheerleaders. Some people that are telling you, get up or keep crawling, one of the two, but don't you stop. You know what I'm saying? And I just want to make sure like we are, we are on the same page with this race. Because we're supposed to be hoping for people to make it. This ain't no competition about like, I'm going to make it and I don't want nobody else. How boring would eternity be if you're by yourself? You think that, you, I know some of y'all think, you don't understand. If I can get home and just get an hour by myself, that's one hour. And that might be good. But in eternity, you know what I'm saying? Oh, that, that ain't going to be good, man. So so Paul gets in this thing and he, he just wants us to get into some of these essentials, right? Keep going. We're rooting for you. And here's the first thing he says. And I added a little little writing this morning because I want to make sure we get it right. I put number one, a winner needs dissatisfaction. And it seemed kind of weird to write that. So here's the word I wrote in for you note takers. A winner needs a healthy dissatisfaction. You got to have the right dissatisfaction, right? Look at verse 12. Verse 12, Paul's talking, and he says, not that I've already reached the goal. He's dissatisfied. He ain't made it. He's not attained it, right? He's not already perfected, as some of the translations would have had, right? Look down at verse 13. He says, brothers or brethren, depending on what translation you got, I do not count myself to have apprehended. I read this stuff with Paul writing. I'm like, whew, thank God. Because if Paul had gotten it, that's where I had to get. I ain't going to get it. Just being honest, right? Like like if Paul hadn't gotten there, that, that's a breath of fresh air for me. I'm like, all right, the, the man who has walked with Christ for 30 years in suffering and pain, who loves his suffering and pain, hadn't attained it, I'm okay. <laughs> There's hope for me, right? He's saying, like, I haven't got it. I haven't arrived. I'm not perfect. you know. And, and he goes into this thing, and this is Paul. I got off and thinking about like for somebody like this to say this and what it means. He's brilliant. He's spiritual. He's highly motivated. He's planted churches around the world. In Acts chapter 19, they write this sentence about this guy, Paul, while he's in Ephesus. And he says, and it says this, and unusual miracles were brought by the hands of Paul. You know what I'm saying? Like they're writing this about this guy. Like this guy is, he's rolling. To show you where he's at, like when they wrote this phrase, you got to wonder, like, what what miracles coming next? Right. He's preaching this message. And like some pastors, he goes a little long. You know, I know you guys don't know nothing about that, but there are some pastors that preach a little longer than they should. Right. So he's going into the night preaching this message, hammering it out. Right. And this young guy sitting in a window seal falls asleep. Ain't his fault. Preacher is preaching long. Right. He falls out the window, hits the street. Scripture tells us that he dies. Paul says this. This is how you know somebody ain't done preaching. He don't he don't give the Baptist. I'm about to close. Last verse. Dude falls out the window, dies in the street. 
Paul stops preaching for just a second. He says, hold on. He don't say sermon over. He don't say, let me ask you guys to leave while the emergency team takes this guy out. He says, just wait. He goes downstairs. He prays over brother. Brother gets up. Brother's back alive. I mean, just a miracle, right? And then he gets up back to the crowd and he starts preaching again. And I'm thinking, man, the things I've let stop me from preaching. This dude done preached so long, somebody fell out a window and died. He come right back in and didn't miss it. You know what I'm saying? Like he come right back in at point number five. And Brother Tickius is back with us and are so glad to have him back after the street. He's not sitting by the window anymore. We're not going to let him fall out no more. He's going to pay attention to the rest of the sermon. Number six. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, it's awesome. And this, this is great. But I'll tell you what, this is the guy. This is why I'm pointing this out. This is the guy that says, I haven't attained. I haven't reached it. I haven't, I haven't considered myself perfect yet. Which I love because he, he's, he's, he's talked to this audience and he just now went in last week to this profit and loss thing. And then he goes into all this stuff that he's gained. We said it at the very end, verses 9 through 11 of last week. And he says, be found. I'm found in him. My knowledge of him. I know Jesus Christ, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law. I'm not getting it that way. But the righteousness that comes from faith in God that I might know him. I know the power of his resurrection. I know his power and the fellowship of his suffering. I'm with him being conformed to his death. If by any means I may attain the resurrection of the dead. This guy's going on and on about all the stuff that he's gained. So it'd be so easy for his crowd to read this and say, oh, Paul made it. And Paul just wants to make sure you understand I ain't made it. Because this side of heaven, this side of the kingdom, you can't make it. You, you're not attained, right? He immediately says, not that I've already attained or already perfected. I don't count myself to even apprehended all this stuff yet. None of us reach perfection on this side. And it seems like such an easy point. But you ever met somebody that thinks they reached perfection? Now, if you mm-hmm, that you know somebody right now that's in your mind that you they, they think they've reached this special class of Christian maturity. They read that verse 15. They're like, for those of us that are mature in Christ, I oh. That's me. You know what I'm saying? Like, He's talking about me right there, right? There, there's a quote about this. That somebody, somebody quote, I can't, I didn't write it down. It says, a perfectionist is one who takes great pains and gives them to everybody else. I think that's about right, huh? There are literal, please understand this, guys. This is why I want to go into this point. There are literal groups of Christians, believers, who believe in perfectionism. It's actually called total sanctification or complete sanctification or some call it the, the second blessing. They believe they can literally become morally perfect, not in a perfect standing before Christ. That's not what I'm talking about. I understand the difference. But literally, like everything they do on earth is perfect. Yeah, me too. So Charles Spurgeon, this guy's like Peter, and this is why I quote this guy so much right here, right? Charles Spurgeon meets a group that had just started this thing. And they're telling him, oh, we, we are morally perfect. We claim to do that. We have attained, this is what they call it, we have attained the second blessing, which means we are sinlessly perfect and continue to live our life actually doing so. Well, while they talk to Mr. Spurgeon, he just happens to be holding a pitcher of water. So in mid-sentence, these guys are telling him about it. He throws the pitcher of water on them. These two guys flip out. They respond just like you and I would respond if somebody threw a pitcher of water on you. And Charles Spurgeon is recorded that he says this. I thought so. <laughs> and walks off. 
You know what I'm saying? Like that, that's what I'm talking about. That is a Peter mentality, right? That's the sword. You know what I'm saying? But it was a pitcher of water. MRD hand says self-satisfaction is the death of progress. The most boring people I ever met are the ones who take up my time telling me about all they've done when they ought to actually be doing something. You ever met somebody that can talk and talk and talk and talk, but they ain't no production. They can talk about anything, but you don't ever see them actually doing anything. Now, Paul says this. This is what is cool. So not only are we realizing we're not going to get it this side of the kingdom. Paul's also saying that it's this imperfection, this understanding, this holy dissatisfaction that drives me onward or some translations use upward. So th- this is a motivating thing that pushes me, right? It means that every every thought he has and realizing he's not there yet pushes him toward the goal. Not like, you know, you think about it, if you've already made the goal, you ain't trying no more, right? So you should always be changing your goals, right? I think every invention that's been invented in history was probably by a man or a woman that wasn't satisfied with the way things were, right? I pictured a guy who invented the wheel. He got sick and tired of toting stuff on his back. He said, there's got to be a better way. How often is it that you and I probably need to come to terms with the fact that there's got to be a better way? You know, even if you go back to that 15, like I've made it this far, but there's got to be more. And that's what Paul's getting at right there in that section. He's like, yes, guys, we've made it here and we should live up to this point, but don't stop there. Let the Lord keep progressing you through his divine revelation and understanding this stuff. Don't be satisfied. We live in a world where too many people are satisfied. Ralph Waldo Emerson, author. He says, unless you try to do something beyond what you've already mastered, you'll never grow. This is essential in, in any race, more or less, uh, you know, the, the, the race of Christ. You, you ever seen runners that just get satisfied in their performance? The, the, the greatest runners run, and they actually, especially for your, your, your big Olympic guys, they train and they'll have multiple groups if it's a long race where they have somebody ahead of them the whole time so they're striving. Why? Because if you're always in the lead and you start to lap people, what do you begin to think? I've got it. There's no need to try. Right? And you just keep on going and keep on going, right? I'm better than that one. I'm better than that one. I'm better than that one. This is how the Christian race works sometimes, unfortunately, in the church. You start to look around at other Christians, so you slow down your growth because you feel like you're so much better than everybody. But what does is, what is, what is the word call us to compare ourselves to? It ain't other Christians. Aim for perfection, which is who? Christ. Right. So if you aim for it, you're not going to reach that. Right. That's why you constantly aim for it. We've got this and we've always got this tendency. Here's what cracks me up. You talk about runners, you know, doing this stuff. So right now, Paxson has become our distance. Well, I say right now, we're going to get him back into it. He was the distance runner. So he would ask, Dad, you want to run to the stop sign and back? No. <laughs> no, I can't beat you. I'm not doing it. So I got a little bit longer where I can tell him, you want to go outside and do the 100 yard dash? You want to run from the oak tree to the driveway? I will smoke both of you still. Now, I know that time is coming, so I'm going to use it right now. Right? My point is this, though. We try to find other believers and other people, and we we find our strengths and their weaknesses when we compare them. Do we not? Huh? We either try to find somebody that that is less, or even if it's somebody that's being compared, right? Well, so-and-so has gotten so tall. You know, what was you to think? Constantine come back from Germany, right? We're like, man. He's taller than you, Pastor, but he ain't thick as me. You gotta find, you gotta find your strength, right? You gotta do it that way. Then that's what we do sometimes in our walk with Christ. 
comparing ourselves to other people to make ourselves be. Guys, it's sick. It's not a healthy sense that I haven't arrived, right? And Paul is saying this. Guy had a vision of Christ on the road to Damascus, saw miracles, participated in miracles. Scripture says he was called up to the third heaven, experienced so much. Yet he says, I haven't attained. He gives us the, the, the lesson. A divine dissatisfaction is essential for spiritual progress. If you want to progress, you've got to have a healthy view of your divine dissatisfaction, right? Now, I love what Paul does here. He realizes he hadn't made it, and he doesn't say, well, you know what? I quit. I, I ain't reached my goal. I ain't going to do it. He says, I press on. I press on. Now, this is childlike faith right here. You know, Scripture talks about childlike faith. I mean, you, you ever see children when they're growing up? Well, I, I want to be big. I want, I want to be able to do that. I want to get to stay up late. You know, they're always, always wanting to, to grow. This is how we're supposed to be. He says, I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Here's what he's saying. Here's going to lead us into number two. He's pressing on to what Jesus wanted, not what he wanted. And number two is this. A winner of a race needs some good concentration. Look at verse 13. Look at verse 13. Brothers, I don't count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do. Actually, let me stop right there for a lot of you. How many translations got I do like in a little italicized words? Or you might have like, you know, there might be a different writing style or it might be underlined or or something like that. You know why it's italicized? Because that's added by man. That's not in the original. Now, so read this verse in the original. Brothers, I don't count myself to have apprehended but one thing. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. See how it kind of changes it just a little bit? It gives you a little bit. That word, that phrase, one thing, it got me, man. I just, I couldn't leave. I wanted to actually title the sermon one thing, but that was only like one point. So it, it, it didn't work, right? But, but that, that phrase, one thing, very biblical phrase. Very biblical phrase. You go to the rich young ruler in Jesus' day. And he's walking with Jesus and, and, and he comes to Jesus. He tells Jesus what? I've kept all the commands since my youth. Yeah, he's got his resume like we talked about last week, his spiritual resume. He's proud of it. And Jesus says, well, there's one thing that you lack. And then he tells him pretty much what it is, you know, in code. Go sell everything you got and give it to the poor and then come back and follow me. He wasn't willing to get the one thing because he says, what? Oh, I can't do that. I'm out of here. Right. He's basically saying, oh, all the good I did wasn't good enough for you. And we get that attitude sometime in our walk with Christ. We get that attitude in our walk with people. How about Martha? Martha invited Jesus over to the house. Mary and Martha. Martha's cooking. She's busy. She, she's, I mean, yeah, Martha's cooking. She gets busy. Mary's just sitting on the floor listening to Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it's cooking team. It's one of the seven cooking teams, but only one person doing all the cooking. Some of y'all thinking, that's my team, right? <laughs> Martha gets ticked at Mary and she responds like so. She says, Mary, I don't know about you. You and they're just sitting at the feet of Jesus and I'm in there doing all this thing. You got to be careful when you complain to Jesus. <laughs> right. That ain't even a point in the sermon, but go ahead and just nod it down as a little something you might need for the week. Be careful when you complain to Jesus because she complains to Jesus. And here's what he responds. Martha, you're distracted by so many things. But one thing is all that's needed. And Mary has chosen the better part. Yeah, wow, right? Like you're letting all this many things confuse you. Miss out on the on the one thing. 
I love the response of the blind guy. Y'all remember the blind guy? He gets healed by Jesus and, and, and Jesus's opponents. They don't like that. So they come to, I don't know if you remember this part. They come to the blind guy and they're like, that dude that healed you, he healed you. He's a sinner because he did it on the Sabbath. And they're trying to downplay Jesus, right? This is why I love, this is why I love testimony time. Cause, cause you can have somebody downplay something in your life, but you can't change your testimony, right? So, so this guy testifies, right? He says, this is a cool quote, right? He says, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. Such honesty, such honesty. Like, I, I don't know. This is what I know. This is what I don't know. And, and this is where I'm at. But one thing I know, one thing, I was blind and now I can see. He only cared about the one thing. And it's awesome, right? He didn't get distracted by all the stuff. David, Psalm 27, verse 4, he said, one thing I've desired of the Lord that I will seek after. Guys, winners become winners because they concentrate on one thing. They narrow their focus down on one thing instead of being distracted by so many things, right? You ever seen professional athletes, the most proficient, greatest physical beings on earth, probably to be honest, right? But rarely do they succeed at the same level at multiple sports. I I, I had to laugh. Charles Barkley. I say that name. What do you think of? Basketball. Yeah. Because he did one thing awesome. Did you know he tried golf? I can't golf at all. I don't even know golf form. But when you guys get home today, you Google Charles Barkley golf swing. You don't have to know nothing about golf. And you will laugh and laugh and laugh. Because that brother can't swing no golf club. Seriously. Now, he did release a new video last year. I guess he got tired of it. So the first video is from 2007. I'll go ahead and tell you when you look it up. He released one last year. So it took him 14 years to release another video for the public to see him swinging a golf club. And it's a little better. You know, the swing is better, but the ball still goes. My boy, that's a professional athlete. But he wasn't great at everything. He's good at one thing. Michael Jordan, one of my favorites. I ain't gonna lie to you. The man at basketball. You know what I'm saying? Like the Bulls of the 90s, they was the Cowboys of the 90s too. I just should have grew up a little bit. Y'all should have had me a little earlier. Because all my teams was great in the 90s. You know, I could have enjoyed it a little bit longer, right? Michael Jordan tried baseball. Mm, yeah, that's right. <laughs> hey, way less than an impressive record <laughs> when he got out there and tried to play baseball. But, but he was great at one thing. Nehemiah. The Old Testament. I don't know if you guys remember when we did Nehemiah a while back. He said, I come to do one thing, to build a wall. Right? He's the leader of this group now at the time, right? So when you're a leader of a group, a lot of other things try to get your attention. That's common. That's that's right, right? He didn't care, though. He he he, he writes in Nehemiah chapter 6, and, and he confesses, like, I'm so tempted to meet with so many different people, so many different concerns. You know, so many people wanting to share stuff with me and talk with me. I'm even tempted to meet with my enemies, right? So Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 3, here's what he tells them. I am doing a great thing. I cannot stop to come down and meet with you. He knew his one thing. He said, my job right now is the one thing. I ain't got time to do the rest. Now, then people could have got upset. They went, Nehemiah sure is rude. All I wanted to do was talk with him. Nehemiah didn't care. Nehemiah knew his number one thing was this one thing, right? 
Probably, hear me write this down, probably one of our greatest problems in this life is that we tend to spread ourselves too thin. And I'm preaching to a lot of us, myself included. We, tra- we, we, we spread ourselves too thin that we fail to be effective as we could be at the one thing. Right? Stanley Jones, missionary theologian, he says, your capacity to say no will determine your capacity to say yes to the greater things. Write this down too. No is a holy word. That's the simple fact that we need to get, right? Let, 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 let me give you something else. Let me scoot this thing so you people in the non-holy section can still see. Y'all probably need to see it more since y'all over there are not in the holy section, right? Well, I'm just confessing. Y'all already got the holy section, brother. We don't want to take that away from you, right? I love candy. Y'all love candy? All right? You interested now? Oh, yeah. That ain't enough. Gotta get some more, right? Woo! Oh, holy. That's a holy woman. You come to altar to pray. Go ahead and get you some of that one. That's full, right? Full to the top. Y'all consider that top? You want to put a couple more on? Put some more on? All right. You know what? I like jelly beans, too. You know, it's so good to know that you know somebody going to say, put some more. There's some greedy people in this world. <laughs> My buddy last night tell me, you're going to make a mess with all that stuff. Amen. I should have stayed with my first glass jar, but my wife said this glass jar looked prettier than y'all. Y'all get the point, though. That's pretty full, right? Don't worry. We're not going to waste it. We're making sweet tea when we get on. (laughs) Baby, I promise you this. You can have it. Yeah, just give me just a minute to get there. Oh, there we go. There we go. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to shake things up to get it all in there. Oh, yeah, look at all that falling. Fill in all the spaces. That's right. Y'all get, y'all smart enough people to get the point though, right? Uh, now she's full, right? Right? Huh? Yeah, you still ain't got the point. Man, I thought y'all were smart people, y'all said. This is why you can have all the candy you want, baby. I know you would, and that's what scares me the most. Now she's full. Now, some of you seen this illustration a couple years ago with the rocks and the sand. There might even be some of you, I'm not sure, from a youth group years ago that saw it. And I remember the first time I gave this thing, I had a boy ask, what's the lesson? He shot up quick. You can always put more in. Wrong. You got to put the big things in first or they'll never fit. Right. It's about time management and priorities. If I didn't say no to the sugar and the water in the beginning. Right. I would have never got orange slices with many colors. I don't know what the name of those things are. 
fruit slices. If you buy multiple colors, they're just called fruit slices. You get the point though? If you don't say no to some things in the right order, now the right order, if there's room left over, fill in the gaps. But if there ain't no room, you better say yes to the important things first, right? If you don't put the big stuff in first, you'll never get them in at all. Such an important lesson for a lot of us to grab a hold of. And Paul got it. Paul got it. The Apostle Paul, he said, Jesus Christ, his will for my life. Look at his writing. They're the, they're the fruit slices. They're the rocks. They come first and everything else takes a back seat. So let me ask you this. Don't ask it out loud, but please make sure you do answer it to yourself and to the Lord. What things do you need to say no to so that you can say yes to what God's got for you? What's some things in your life that you need to start saying no to so that you can start saying yes to what God's got for you? I, I, I listen to two guys Wednesday and I give their testimony. Amazing testimonies. And they're always trying to get stuff for it. Not bad things. Pursuing good things. But I believe in listening to their testimonies and looking at scripture and understand how the Lord works. The Lord said no to some things so they could get them some of the right things. Even when they didn't know it was the right things. Now, that's the funny thing. Sometimes you're not going to know you got the right thing until a little bit later. Sometimes you might not know you had the right thing at all. Right. But that's how you got to surrender your life. You got to be like Paul. So, you know, I'm getting rid of everything else so that I can say yes to what you want from me, Lord. The main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. And when we don't keep the main thing, the main thing, we don't have the main thing. Paul says, I'm keeping the main thing, the main thing. That's how I got to keep on striving for this thing. I'm wholly dissatisfied. I'm divine, divinely dissatisfied, I think is the way we put it the first time, right? So a winner needs that. A winner needs concentration. He needs to be able to say no to some things, right? Number three, a winner also needs some direction. Still in verse 13. He said, brothers, I don't count myself to have apprehended but one thing. And what's the one thing he comprehended? Forgetting those things. Which are behind and reaching, reaching where? Forward to those things which are ahead. A couple of weeks ago, I gave an illustration with marriage. Right? Got couples married 60 something years, got, you know, and, and that's a good thing, right? So, so we coined this phrase, and this is actually a book. I've never read it, so I don't, can't recommend it. Not that I say it's a bad book, I just say I didn't know it was a book, right? Long obedience in the same direction. And I was like, man, we, my wife has read it. She says, I should have knew you read it. Probably saw it on a bookshelf at our house. It's probably where I saw it. You know what I'm saying? Who knows, right? But, but, but my point is this. We, we, we celebrate and not that we shouldn't, but think about the, the marriages and stuff sometimes. Like we commend things that do a long direction. I mean, uh, I'm sorry, long obedience in the same direction. But do you realize you can get on the road and go the wrong direction for a long time? So you can go long obedience, but in the wrong direction. So rather than long obedience in the same direction, I'm sorry you like the book because I'm going to pick on the title of it, right? Maybe we should say long obedience in the right direction. That makes it more better sense, right? There was a, a lady in Australia I was reading about one day this week. She went a thousand miles in the wrong direction. Now, I'm not going to be sexist and make a woman joke about, you know, directions and driving and that kind of thing. That would be rude, crude, and you shouldn't do that. But somebody in here probably will when you get in the car with them, and I would laugh if I was part of that ride. A thousand miles? She literally crossed a border to go to another country. I'm serious. Like, this is a true story. Dead serious. It was then turning in her passport, which I'm actually going to use for next week. I'll go ahead and tell you, right? Turning in her passport, she realized, maybe I've been going the wrong way. You think? 
<laughs> you got to make sure you're traveling on the right road in the right direction. Paul says, I'm reaching forward. I'm reaching ahead. I'm going toward, some of your translations have it. I like it this way. The upward call, heavenward call, some other translations may have, right? And to do that effectively, here's what's awesome, guys. He even tells you. Because it's one thing for somebody to say, you need to go there. But it's another thing when you, you don't know how to get there and you say how, right? Paul says, you don't know how. Let me tell you, here's the number one thing you got to do to go that way. you got to forget the things that are that way. He says it, not me. He says, forgetting those things which are behind. To run effectively into the future, you got to let go of your past is what he's saying. That's what I'm saying, right? Can you imagine one of these runners at the Olympics running in that direction but looking this way? It wouldn't be long before they either changed lanes, fell down, or got passed by everybody else on the track, right? He says this, and I think he's right because I don't think you can run the Christian race always thinking about your path. Again, a healthy glance in the rearview mirror is one thing. We're not going to get off, but, but, but the main thing is the main thing, right? So he says, forgetting those things which are behind. Now, here's what I love. Here's what I love. The word forget, you look it up in our dictionary, it says to lose your memory. It says failure to recall. I'm big on words, man. Especially as I try to get into scripture. I want, I want to get, I want to live out 15 and 16 more than, I, I hope equally with you guys, but I'm a brag and say, I want to live it more than all the rest of you. That's how hungry I am for getting it right. Right? I've been fed it wrong for a long time. I want to get it right. So I'll be breaking down as many words as I can. And, and, and that word, remember, gets me because there's this verse that says, and God will remember your sins no more. And when people use that phrase, not that it's a wrong phrase, but here's how I've always heard it. God will have a lapse of memory. How is my perfect God going to have a lapse of dementia? You know what I'm saying? Like that ain't it. How is God, almighty God, do we think about it at the very beginning, that is so amazing, so awesome, that he knows all the stars' names, and he knows all the hairs on y'all's head that still got hair, because my head's the eye. See, I'm trying to help the Lord. Y'all didn't understand that. I, I don't want him to have to count my hairs. I want him to have time for you guys. Right? But how is God just going to be able to do all that And we're going to be able to say he got a bad memory all of a sudden? That don't add up to me. So then I check out, well, what is the actual, what does the actual word mean? So, so here's, here's the lesson that I'll give you the word, right? To no longer be influenced by your past, that they deal with you in the present. Let's say you sum it up, right? So here's what he's saying. He's saying, God is saying, I no longer hold your sins against you any longer, right? Because here's the word, epiphlephanonemia. You want to see it? I got it in the notes. That's as close as you can get to me pronouncing it, right? It means to no longer care for. Right? So I'm like, okay, well, that makes more sense because he knows it still. Right? He knows it. I'm just no longer going to allow it to be my number one. Because when you care for something, it consumes you. Right? He's saying, I'm not going to let it consume me about them anymore. That's part of your forgiveness as well when you forgive other brothers and sisters. I hope you realize that lesson. He's not telling you. Anybody who tells you, oh, baby, you just need to forget. You can't forget. That's the I, I hate that. Don't tell nobody that. Your brain can't forget some of the stuff that you went through in life. Unless you get hypnotized or something and something weird goes on. I don't know. Right? But it doesn't make sense normally. Am I, am I with y'all? Y'all with me, rather? I know where I'm going. I don't know if you know where you're going. Right? So so, so I, I, just that phrase. But when I look at it in a biblical way, what he's saying is what? You no longer let that thing you do remember but you no longer care for it. It's no longer the thing that's going to consume everything about you. Right? That's what he's saying. And guys, we live in a world where we often let those things which are behind us distract us. Bad things from the past or good things from the past 
keep us from what God has for us in the future. Now, I point out both because I want you to keep in mind who Paul's talking to. He's writing to a group in the church that, that, that has got a bunch of stuff going on. And one of the things we looked at, some of them in the church or some of them in this group that's getting this letter, they had a resume problem. Remember, they're writing about all the good that they did. And they don't have to worry about nothing because they got it all, right? He's saying, if that's your care, you need to, you need to just stop. Right? You need to stop living today on yesterday's stuff. It, it don't work that way, right? And there's another group in the church, we know, because because churches are full of it, right? There's another group in church, possibly they've fallen. Possibly they've blown it. Possibly they made mistakes. Okay. Paul's saying learn from it. Learn from it. I, I, I know you can't all the way forget it, and I know it's a bad thing, but, but learn from it. Does that make sense? I'm not going to be foolish enough to tell you, oh, you, you had hell in your past? Well, too bad, get over it. No. Learn from it. Use it. Let it push you in the right direction. But quit looking back at it and trying to fall over it. Right? There's a guy in the Bible, and maybe you know him, Joseph. Awesome guy, right? Probably the best illustration of this you can get, right? He, his brothers don't like him because they're jealous of him. I don't know if you ever had anybody jealous of you, but when jealous people don't like you, there's problems that follow afterwards. <laughs> right? So his brothers get jealous of all his going. They get so jealous of him, they sell him. They pull a Braylon. Y'all heard her, right? She said, my brother ain't here, praise Jesus. Right? She was excited about it. Joseph's brother's like, yeah, my brother is gone. We're selling him. Right? Getting rid of him. They sell him to the Midianites. The Midianites take him to Egypt. He gets falsely accused. He gets put in jail. You guys know most of the story, but I want to get to what he says at the end. Eventually, he also becomes the second most powerful man in Egypt, by the way. Big part of the lesson. So from being sold, from being buried in a hole to being sold. Right? That's pretty cool. That right there in itself, right? To being the second most powerful man in Egypt. And the day comes, this is what's cool, right? Second man in Egypt, you know you're in the big house, right? And the day comes where his, his some of his followers or whatever you want to call it right there, they're saying, hey, we got a group of people coming from over there where there's, there's starvation going on. And he looks out his window. He says, that's my brothers. Now, if he's me, Cliff, Mr. Spurgeon or Peter, he's thinking it's about time. Y'all going to bow to me? Y'all going to realize how awesome I've become? You know what I'm saying? Like, you about to get yours. I'm going to get you for you can get me again. Right? He pulls him a D on him. No, he don't. Because here's what it says. And this is, this is why. Because Joseph had chosen to not care about his past any longer. Right? He didn't want to let his past determine his future. Here's what he says. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. Looking at his brothers. He says, but as for you, you meant evil against me. He acknowledges the truth. Now, please understand, this. when people tell you and they try to make it sound spiritual, oh, just forgive and forget. No, he's telling them straight up like, you meant evil for me. You ain't got to lie to nobody. Tell them straight up. Look, you screwed me over. You messed me up. Right? The truth. You meant evil for me. But God. But that's a holy but, right? But God meant it for good in order to bring about as to this day. Here's what he says. Goes further, to save many people. He didn't just mean it for good for me. In the long run, he meant for me to get into this position to be good for many people, including you jerks. <laughs> Except for he didn't say jerks, right? Listen, guys, if you want to be miserable, keep looking back in your past and keep thinking about it. Keep letting your past determine how you're going to act, you're, you're, the reason you are the way you are and everything else. But if you want to live well, Peter or Paul says, I'm sorry, if you want to live well, look forward, reach forward, forget the past. 
Get some holy dissatisfaction, right? Get some concentration on the right thing so that you go in the right direction. Number four, fourth essential, dedication. You got to get dedicated, man. Remember verse 12, he uses this word, I press, right? What did he say? Not that I've attained, not that I'm already perfected, but I, I what? I press, I press on. Then where we get this lesson right here on dedication, verse 14, I press what? Press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, again, you got to got to get the word dokio, D-I-O-K-O with a little lines above it a couple of times, right? Means to exert yourself and to work up a sweat. It means to pursue in a hostile manner. So when he says, I press on, he's saying, I pursue in a hostile manner. Now, I want you to picture this because you got to picture it to get what the word is actually meaning, right? You ever seen like a little a little sister when her brothers have ticked her off? I get to see this sometime. That little sweet, innocent thing. Woo! Can become a vampire. A wolverine. Right? And here's the funny thing now. Here's the funny thing. They both bigger. They both stronger. They both faster. They ain't no doubt. They a team. When she flips out, they run. They so scared, they go. And then you watch it. This, 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 this I'm going to tell you right now, this is Dokio to the Dokio. The next time it happens in the house, I'm going to Dokio it up. Right? Straight up. I don't even know if I'm saying it right, but that's the way we're going to say it in our house. Right? <laughs> that little thing turns red. And she even does her teeth like she's a real animal and just chases after him all she can. Right. And screaming and grabbing and clawing and just craziness. Y'all thinking this is at the pastor's house. Yes, it is. <laughs> we picked up our kids last night. At, well, we did pick them up. We love them. But we went to say goodbye because we're good parents. Right. And, and, and we get told by the babysitter, your oldest kid shot your youngest kid with an airsoft gun. From about here to here. Now, I don't know if you've been shot by one of them. They're bad to the bone. Now, especially when you get some good, you know, we're going to buy good ones, right? <laughs> we'll play no game and lose, right? So so from here to here, we get in. I don't think nothing of it. We get in the truck. We start heading down the driveway. My wife says, what would possess your oldest son to shoot his little brother with an air gun? I look across the truck and I say, why not? They are brothers. That is the way it's supposed to be. Amen. Huh? I want to know why he didn't shoot 30 of them. The magazine holds 30. It's an automatic gun. 30 bullets in like two seconds. Literally. Why did you not do all of them? I'm glad you didn't because your mama going to get mad. I just did that. Right. But here. To pursue in a hostile manner. If you don't get that, if you ain't never had kids chasing one another, you don't get that one. You ever watched the Olympics? You ever seen like when they zoom in on the on the leader of the race or the guy who's starting to make a comeback and he's just pouring with sweat and he's red and he's got that that dedicated look on his eye? You ever seen like on a football field when when the camera gets on the guy when he comes out like like he's, he's just he just man he looks like he wants to eat that quarterback for like it's just that look right? Sweat pouring down the face, that grueling look. Paul is saying, this is the way I want to exert myself. I want to exert every fiber of my body, every bit of my strength. 
This is the intensity I want to and I want the church to pursue the Lord. But is that the intensity you pursue him with? Right. Can people see that look on your face? Huh? He says, there's 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 this there's this one thing I do. I forget what's behind me and I aim toward. I, I press on as hard as I can for the prize of the upward call. You know, that word that word press, by the way, is the same word back in verse six. If you're with us, I think it was last week or two weeks ago. I don't remember at this point. Right. But verse six, he's, he's describing his previous life and he uses that word dokio again. Right. Except for this time. Here's what our translation puts it as. Concerning zeal, verse six, concerning zeal, persecuting the church. The word persecuting is where dokio is. He's pursuing in a hostile manner. He's a Haley chasing her brothers. Seriously, that, that is, I mean, it's a perfect illustration once you understand the word, right? Now it makes sense, right? So here's what he's saying, though, now that he gets to verse 14. He's saying the same energy that I want you to put into ruining the church, I'm now putting it into running the church. So then I got to ask us, do we use the same level of energy we had before we were an unbeliever on all the junk that didn't matter to pursue the right direction in the right manner? Could you imagine that? No one. Be- and here's another thing, man. Let me, let me go ahead and get this. You don't become a winning athlete by attending lectures, by talking to coaches and by watching it on YouTube. I'm serious. One of the things that irked me more than anything, my boys will tell you straight up. I don't know how you watch somebody else play a game instead of you just go play the game. That's the, that's the thing. Now, y'all might have teens and, and kids that do the same thing. They watch people play a video game on the YouTube. Yeah, that's where I'm at. I mean, I'm not even playing video games, but my God, son, I'm not going to sit here and watch somebody else play a game that I got sitting in the other room. Right? Oh, no, Dad, this person right here, he's a YouTuber. He's got it. Well, he got it, but you don't as long as you watch it. Am I right? Am I right? At some point, you got to actually get in the game yourself. At some point, you got to get on the track. You got to exert and you got to press on to be a winning athlete. How different would our lives be if we pursued with dedication the spiritual things of this life as much as we pursued other junk in this life? How good would your Bible skills be if you pursued the word of the Lord as much as you pursue golfing? Took him seven years to get his swing right. How much time and dedication do you think Charles Barkley put in the swing in a golf club where he didn't do his little weird hip thing? Y'all watch it. It's funny. Straight up. Right? Big old seven foot. I don't know how tall Charles Barkley. Got to be seven foot. Seven foot, 300 pound man, like he just got the weird, it's crazy, right? Took him seven years to get rid of that. He was dedicated to it. What about your fishing? What about your hunting? I hear people all the time, wait, I got, I got this plot over here, and then I got this stand over here, and nobody knows about my secret place. I'd be catching all that big fish, right? And they go on. What if we pursued the word of the Lord with that kind of intensity? Huh? What about it? All right, I ain't just going to pick on the man. How about you ladies with your shopping? Oh, I found this deal and I found that. Y'all get so excited about a deal, right? And if you're not a shopper, how about social media? Y'all worried. So I watch and my, now my wife does this with a good motive, but it makes me wonder how many women do this with the wrong motive. She'll spend 45 minutes doing a one little picture post with a word in it. And I know she does it because I've been with her my whole life now, right? It pretty much feels like it. And that's a good thing, right? Seriously. But she'll do it because she wants it to be absolutely perfect. So she's got a good motive. But I wonder how many people sit there on social media trying to change pictures and posts and all to make it absolutely perfect because they worry about what somebody else thinks. Right? The intensity. The intensity. 
Y'all, y'all ever, let me get back to my men. We picked on women. Any of you men ever went in the wrong direction for a little bit of time? Maybe not a thousand miles, because that right there is just, that's next level. You know what I'm saying? When you realize you was going the wrong direction, now you got a free pass right now, okay? Ain't but one cop in the room, and he ain't gonna write you no ticket, I'm telling you right now, all right? How many of you, when you realize you was going the wrong direction, you turned it around? And you, if you didn't smile just now, don't talk to me. Because you don't know what I'm talking about. How many of my men can smile when I said you turned it around? Because what'd you do? Come on, be honest. You can't get it. What'd you do? <laughs> ain't nobody talking to you. I said men. <laughs> there ain't none of you men going to tell me what y'all did. Hold on. Somebody did it. What you did? Yeah, baby. We spinning tires. We're going to turn around and go the right direction as fast as we possibly can because we got time to make up for it. Right? This is what he's saying when he says press on. This, this is the intensity he wants. I'm going to turn around and I'm not going to miss a beat, man. I'm going to go as hard as I can in the right direction that I was going in the wrong direction. And for him, that's what makes all the difference. Verse 14, I press toward the goal. What's, what's the goal? The prize, he calls it. The upward call in Christ. Y'all know what a gold medal wins in the Olympics? I looked this up since I was doing it. 30. <laughs> Just cash, not counting your Wheaties box and promotions. $37,500 for a gold medal. $22,500 for silver. $15,000 for bronze. And then you got all your endorsements where they really make their money, okay? You know what they made in the Olympics 2,000 years ago when Paul's writing? They got a plant stuck on their head. We have elevated in the right direction. <laughs> they got fame too, though, right? Everybody knew when you wanted is that pride kind of thing, right? Paul says, here, 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 this is good, man. This is real good when you get this first part. Paul says, he's saying, what kind of prize do we get? Verse 12. He said at the very beginning, we didn't even get it, right? Here's his prize. His prize is knowing the purpose of his life. Because he says that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. When you realize your purpose for life, God's purpose for your life, it changes everything, right? He fully realizes the reason he's on this earth. They say the greatest day in your life is the day you're born. I think the greatest day in your life is the day you discover what you were born for. You know what I'm saying? Because you can be born and live a miserable life for a long time for no reason. But when you realize what you're living for, what's God's plan for my life, that changes everything. But notice what Paul says. I'm not going to get away from it. The prize is... The call itself. You see what he says, right? Look at it. Make sure you get it. The prize is not the benefits. The prize is not the glory. The prize is not $37,000, $22,000, or $15,000. The prize ain't even the plan on the head. The prize is the call itself. That's awesome. Paul has understood, like, it's the prize of even being able to run the race. It's the prize of being able to work. It's the prize of being able to partner with God and do kingdom work. That's the prize. Right? We focus so much on, on, on all that other stuff sometimes, we miss out on it. It's the upward call. He says the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, legalists, I got I to gotta add that he says in Christ Jesus, because a legalist would hear this in the crowd, and they'd say, oh, I've been following the upward call of God my whole life. But they didn't do it in Christ Jesus. They did it in themselves. That's what we talked about with resumes, right? Second prize, he does say, verse 14, is knowing that eternal joy. He calls it an upward call, a heavenward call in Christ Jesus. It, it, call, you know, glory, whatever, right? But man, 
when you finish the, 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 when you cross the finish line, not, not only getting into the, into the right kingdom, but could you imagine getting into the right kingdom and looking back at me like, man, I live my life with the purpose that God wanted me to have doing what he wanted me to do. Right. Oh, that's good. Let me get these last couple of verses. Last thing you need. And I close, but not really. Okay. Collaboration. Something we got good and I'm proud of. Right. Cause here's collaborations, unity, togetherness. Look at what he says. Verse 15 to 16. Therefore, let us. I love all throughout this letter. Paul's got the us and the we. He's a, he's a team player, man. This collaboration. Let us. As many as are mature have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal it even to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the name or the same rule. I'm sorry. Let us be of the same mind. The us, the we, the us is us. And we don't know exactly what Paul's referring to when he says there's people who think otherwise. He could have been talking about those Judaizers that he just talked about. You know, well, for us a couple weeks ago, but for him a couple sentences ago, he could have been talking about the perfectionists that were in the group. He could have about those that were trying to build their own resume and get their own works and more than perfect. On the other hand, he could have been talking about Christians that have grown apathetic. We know from some of his other writings and letter things that he says, right? There's some people who got off track. Not only did they got off track, they went and sat in the bleachers. Right? He said, look, I'm talking to all you guys. Those of you that think you got it, you ain't got it. You're aiming for the wrong thing, right? Those of you that think, man, I've fallen too many times. I, I I can't get it. No, us, we. And his main point, I think, when he says this, us and we repeatedly is this. It's something I've learned, man. You run and you work out better when you do it with other people. Seriously. Your time is better when you run with somebody else. You get stronger when you work out with somebody else, right? You're going to, as we say, up your game, right? When, you, when you're with somebody. Why? Because that person gives you encouragement. Right. They push you. They train you. They, they hold you accountable. There's now apps on your phone where like you can you can agree to do something with somebody else. And it tells them if you did what you said you were going to do or not. Right. That's accountability right there, man. Right. That's it, though. That person going to call you and be like, hey, I did my workout. I see you didn't do yours. That's accountability. They're going to tell you, come on, man, pick it up. You can do it. You can do better than that. You, you got it. You, right. Some of these believers have gotten so far off track that they started speculating. Right. They started speculating because they were spectating. Spectators sitting in the stand speculating about what the, what the real stuff is. And Paul's saying, look, whatever you've gotten to this point that you know is true, this is what you're supposed to be living up to. Right? And then some. Have you ever noticed spectators are the best criticizers? Seriously. Am I right? They can all, I ain't never seen a spectator that can't do it better than the guy actually doing it. You don't believe it, just ask them. I'm telling you right now, I'm dead serious, man. That's how that's how Americans do sports, by the way. You, you tell your kids all the time, baseball, football, basketball, hockey, they build your muscles. And that's why Americans got better eyesight than anybody else, because we watch it all the time. Right? We watch, we watch. We're spectators. I catch myself doing it, so I'm not just talking to anybody else. I watch these dudes who have made it to the next level that I ain't ever come close to, right? Can't believe he missed that tackle. I'd have wrapped that dude up and leveled his head off. I do it all the time, man. All the time. I'd have never let that guy get it. That guy right there would have never run me down. You want to know why? Because I'm sitting on the couch and he's playing. 
He wouldn't have struck me out. I'd hit that ball. Right? You're sitting on the couch, but yet you think you're better than the dude that's made it to the next level. Huh. And we do the same thing as believers. Right? Hear a brother preach? I can preach better than him. Then get out your seat. Hear somebody sing? Oh, they missed that note. I'd have never missed it. Well, get out your seat. That, 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 that's the less guy out there. She talked. I can lead the children's group better. Then get out and help. Huh? Huh? Come on now. Don't be quiet. What's the word? Ouch. I don't know. Maybe amen and quietly. I just didn't hear it. Huh? How about let's put on some running shoes and get on the track? The spiritual track, right? How about let's keep going even when we fall? Cause, cause here's what he says. And I love it, man. I told you at the beginning, right? Let God reveal even this to you. Paul's got such trust in the divine ability of the Holy Spirit to connect the dots that he's leaving apart. I'm not going to lie to you. If you guys heard me pray before, during, or after a sermon, you would laugh. Because I'd be saying some crazy things to the Lord. Seriously. I'd be telling him, Lord, I don't know what's coming out of my mouth, but make sure it gets right before it gets to the ear. Now, that sounds weird, but understand me. I'm dead serious. I fully believe I can say it wrong and you can hear it right. I believe that. I 100% believe that. Not because I got some weird special ability, by the way, but because my God has got the ability to take care of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I believe he can use a vessel that will speak and he'll just make sure the right words get out there. And hopefully he gets them back into my ear later. Right? I'm serious. man. I'm dead serious. I promise you. He didn't have that attitude that if he failed to convince them, they wouldn't be convinced. Nevertheless, to the degree that we've already attained, let us walk. He also didn't rule out, by the way. That you were allowed to fail or unfulfill what we ought to be doing. He don't give them no, oh, because you didn't know it, you don't have to do it. No. He says, we're going to teach you. We're going to do it together. We're going to learn. We're going to grow. I told you about that ultra marathon. You know, that's the longest race in the world. Did y'all know there's a such thing as ultra marathon? That's not a made up word. Y'all, y'all probably thought I made that up, didn't you? I'm educated. I will read the internet all week to prepare for you guys. <laughs> and ultra marathon was a word that came up on the internet. Real thing, though, in Australia, seriously, 543.7 miles. I told my wife last night about this thing. She looks at me. and She goes, baby, that's Australia. You sure it's miles? And are you sure it's not kilometers? I said, no, I did the calculation. That's why it's 543.7. If it had been America, we'd have just stopped at five, right? 543.7 miles. I calculated it, right? Sydney, Australia. First time they run this thing, 1983, 150 world-class athletes meet in Sydney to run this race. Can you imagine the guys that are running this race? Picture picture it, for real. Probably the most phenomenal men you've ever seen. I don't, I'm not sure if there was ladies. Maybe ladies, too, at this point. I, I really don't know. Right? But either way, whatever they were, the best of the best, for sure. Right? I mean, in shape, six-packs, lean, mean, fighting machines. Right? Trained soldiers. You got to picture it, right? These guys got all their gear, by the way, because you got to take, I mean, you do a 543 miles, you got to take some stuff with you. So they got all their gear with them. They're ready to roll. Up walks a 61-year-old toothless potato farmer. I promise you, Google it. He's on the Internet, right? And they got actual video of him, right? This, 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 this potato farmer is also a shepherd. 61 years old, really doesn't have any teeth. He's got overalls 
and galoshes on, work boots. Huh? It's the overalls that done it, right. <laughs> he goes walking up and everybody's trying to direct him back to the side. Like, you know, because it's just like a regular marathon. Like you standing and people standing right by the starting line. They say, no, you got to come over here. He goes, nah. He wants to run. They try their hardest to talk him out and explain what this thing is. Finally, they say, you know what? We'll register you. They give him a number, number 64. Number 64 in this race. The gun goes off. The race starts. Now, here's a little backstory. I told you he's a potato farmer and a shepherd, right? That his family owned 2,000 acres. On 2,000 acres, they had 2,000 sheep. But they was considered poor. Land was inherited or whatever, right? So they ain't had no four-wheel drive vehicles. They ain't had no horse and buggies. So every time a storm come up, Mr. 61-year-old toothless potato farmer ran down all the sheep on his own. He checked all the area on his own. He walked and walked and walked and got it all done on his own. Cliff Young is his name because I know you want to Google him, right? Don't Google him now. That would be rude. Right? You wait till you get home. Race starts. Gun goes off. Everybody's laughing. This dude, and you watch it. You think, you think Charles Barkley got a weird golf swing when you go home. You ain't got nothing to do today. You're going to Google a lot of stuff today. You're going to YouTube it, right? They're going to be YouTubers too, boys, right? So, you know, you think he got a goofy golf swing? You ought to see this fella run. He got some kind of weird, like, shuffling thing going on. I promise you, I'm not making fun of him. I swear to you, he's got a shuffle going on with his run. I promise you. Everybody's laughing just like you laughing, right? They're going crazy about it. He's got this weird shuffle. He's running in overalls, in work boots. You got to see the video, man. I'm telling you, right? Five days, 15 hours, four minutes later, Cliff Young finally crossed the finish line. He had won the race. Not only did he win the race, He won the race by nine hours and 56 minutes against world-class trained athletes. Don't you mess with no former boy. You know what I'm saying? Minds are blown. Specialists are trying to figure this thing out. Mr. Cliff Young, how did you do it? I just ran. But Mr. Cliff Young, what, what did you do? I just ran. See, the trainers for this race, they were trained to run 18 hours, rest for six hours, run 18 hours, rest for six hours, 18, 6, 18, 6, 18, 6. Nobody told Cliff Young that. Cliff Young runs straight for five days, four, what was it? Five days, 15 hours, and four minutes. Nobody told Forrest Gump he was supposed to stop. I just started running. Right? <laughs> he was gone. I'm serious. True story, guys. True story. So true. I don't know if you guys have ever watched any of your big marathons now. So true. Scientists begin to explore this guy and figure out how it's even possible. And if you watch runners to this day for marathons now, not a mile or two mile or a sprint, mile, marathon runners, they still have a weird shuffle, not a run. Seriously, Google some of them. I don't know if you guys have ever watched any. I like watching it because I can't do it. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, it makes me feel like I'm part of it. And I just watch it. But they, they got this weird shuffle about, they call it the Cliff Young Shuffle. True story. True story. That shuffle that they adopted has become the maximum energy efficiency for a person to be able to run for long distance. That's crazy. That's crazy. 
What's my point? You're like, that's a cool story to end with, but where are you going? Victory comes by endurance. Victory comes by Hebrews chapter 12. This time it really is the last verse. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, let us lay aside every weight. <laughs> I ain't even thought about it. Man, God is good. All right, seriously. Let us lay aside every weight. Cliff Young runs this race with nothing on his back. Everybody else got backpacks. He done laid aside every weight. Huh? Man, you don't get that. Something's wrong when you come to the altar. Right? Let us lay aside every weight and sin that easily besets us. And let's run with endurance the race that is set before us. Run with endurance. Guys, I'm not going to tell you the Christian life is a 100-yard dash, a sprint. I'm not even going to tell you it's a marathon. I'm going to tell you right now it's an ultra marathon. And some of you that have been in it for a long time, you know what I'm talking about. Right? It's an ultra marathon. You don't know how to win an ultra marathon? You just keep going. Cliff Young, what did he say? I just, I just kept going. I just kept going. I wonder if he even realized people was laughing at him rather than cheering him on. Maybe that was his motivation. Right? Maybe that, maybe that was some of his divine dissatisfaction. I don't like the way they, I don't like the way they're looking at me. I don't like how they're judging my overalls. I don't like how they don't like my work boots. Right? Whatever it was. He just kept going. He just kept going. Guys, we're, we're in a few different seatings, just like Paul's church in Philippi was. There was people in that church that they, they built up great spiritual resumes that they were so proud that they thought elevated them. Paul says you need to forget all that stuff. That ain't it. Then there's people in the church that have fallen because they got messed up past, man. Abuse, drugs, destruction, own choices or somebody else's choices. Don't matter. Past or ugly. Right? We all got one. Huh? Paul says you got to get past it, though. you got to get past your past. And the way you do that is you stretch forward. You stretch forward in the right direction. You let it motivate you and push you in the right direction. And you go through long obedience, not in the not in the same direction, but in the right direction. Huh? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for our time with you. We thank you for your word. God, I thank you for the real life illustrations that you give us so that we can grab a hold of it just a little bit better. And Lord, I do pray as always, God, that you let the words reach the heart the right way, the right understanding. God, I pray as Paul that if, if we come in not understanding something, Lord, then, then your spirit fill in the gaps and help us to get it. I pray as Paul, Lord God, that once we get it, we hold to it. We follow it. Lord, help us to realize some things we got to start saying no to because you've got a wall for us to build. God, help us to put the right things, the, 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 the big things, the important things in first, Lord God, so that we got time for them, that our priorities are in the right order. God, just help us to stay strong, to pursue you, Lord God, in a hostile way, in an intense way. Because, Lord God, as we started this service, think about how how crazy you are about us. That deserves for us to be crazy about you. God, give us that, that crazy love. That crazy understanding. So much so, Lord God, when the world looks at us, they say there's something crazy about them. And we can tell them what it is. Your great and holy name we pray. Amen.